Join us. We all got issues. Hello, everybody. I'm Phil the Issues Guy, and welcome to my show. It's been a good year. 2013's been amazing. And I'm really excited to be here. To, to roll my ass out of bed, turn on a fucking computer, put on a microphone, and talk to you. I owe you. You don't owe me anything. Except for to, to gather up, and if you see me on the street, if you see me in your life, in your normal life, you invite me into your house and show the same kind of decency that that you show to me right now. Ignore me and let me go through all your shit. That would be key. I just want to thank you. Thank everybody. Nah, I don't want to thank shit. <laughs> oh, wow, that was perfect. The music went off right at the right time there. Actually, everybody, I've decided to relocate this show down to the Deep South. And in the Deep South, we're going to talk about all sorts of things like cleaning your pig, how to properly clean one's pig. I knew once back in Ot 4 how to, how to clean a pig. And then someone called me right here on this very show, and they told me, you don't know how to clean a fucking pig. yippity yippity yee <laughs> I gotta say, I gotta say, this is the strangest intro I've ever had to a show. Hi everybody, welcome to the Issues Program, I am Phil the Issues Guy, it is good to be here, good to talk to you, good to see you, well some of you, and uh, and especially this time of year, it's uh, you get to see a lot more people than you usually do, people are in town, are all gathered around to visit family and, and other friends, and... And yeah, I, I feel, feel like at the very beginning of the show, I need to get something off my proverbial tit and something positive about generally the holiday season or just in general about my specific group of friends. I'm not always lucky in a lot of things in life, but what I am lucky is that most of my friends that I had as a child or even into uh, teenage years through high school and stuff, I've stayed relatively closer to some more closer to some rather than to others, but I've stayed basically pretty close to the point that we have a monthly Smash Brothers game night where we all get together and we beat the shit out of each other in Smash Brothers, and that happened a couple of nights ago, and a good friend that was in town who lives down in D.C. happened to be up here for this particular gaming night, and he participated. It was really, really fun to kick his ass all up and down the screen, and if, and if nobody else defeated him, at least I got to. Yep, that's right. <laughs> At the end, we had our one-on-one -on -one tournament type thing, and he kicked everyone else's in the room's ass, and then he's like, oh, I got one more game, I can play me, and he played me, and, and I shoved some links so far up his rectum that he could barely breathe. He got that boomerang in weird parts of his body, and he was shaking and convulsing as it stuck right deeply into him, and it was really fun to be able to do that. It was. It was great. It was it was a, the highlight of my holiday season. Well, not quite the highlight of my holiday season. Ooh, 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 I hear a telephone call. Let's see. From the Deep South, or by the Deep South, I mean uh, Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh. Or is it yeah, Pen Pennsylvania? 
yeah. Pennsylvania. Well, it can be the Deep South if you want it to be the Deep South. We have the one and only Couchmaster General of the Couchmasters podcast. And if you're not checking that out, please do. I'm a big part of it. And uh, John C. Riley hosts a uh, a silly, fun, good, informative podcast, weekly weekly podcast. So if you haven't checked that out, check out Couchmasters. So, uh, John, how's the vacation going? Uh, it's going well. It's going well. I was introduced to wine, and I had way too much of it last night. Oh, that's awesome. So, uh, I don't know if you saw read the crazy ramblings in the videos that I posted, but I think around like 11, no, around 2 a.m., I posted a status called Lollipop. I, I did actually see that. Well, I'm glad that you're starting to get into wine. It's a little classier than beer, I guess. Yeah, but I, I think I have intestinal problems, so I think I'm probably going to die if I keep drinking. So, womp, womp. Sorry to bring the show down. Oh, no, that doesn't bring it down. If if you died, we'd have a very, very celebratory podcast. I think if either one of us died, the other one should make it. We should make like a death pack that whichever one of us dies first, the other one does a podcast from the funeral one way or another. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, well, as soon as I get back to uh, Massachusetts, uh, we'll do a, a blood oath. A blood oath, we'll, uh, yeah. It will, we'll include it into our wills and stuff eventually. You know, a little, add, add, little uh, added bonus. We'll get a uh, notary republic to sign off on it. And we'll, uh, the podcast funeral. I, I think it could be very fun. You play all, like, the worst clips. Play all my, uh, ooh, uh, 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 uh. I'll play, like, a, a clip show of all your literallys. And, we'll, and it'll be hilarious. That's funny. Um, <laughs> Thank you. We caught. Yeah, ever since I got here, just been party, Christmas party after Christmas party after Christmas party. It was really nice. Um, and we probably had to check in a bag with the flight because of all the extra stuff we got. So oh, awesome. But uh, you would really uh, appreciate um, this place because we literally have like uh, her stepfather. Mm-hmm. Um, is uh, he's a musician got all the instruments right here and kind of like uh, the break room, microphones, PAs, bongos. Oh, nice. So you can just have impromptu jam sessions. Yeah, it's a very musical family. Oh, yeah. awesome. Awesome. Really cool. I would definitely have a really well, good yeah, time they, out there. They have jam sessions uh, when they have parties, so it's really cool. So we went to a lot of jam sessions while, while we've been here. Pittsburgh is actually really nice, dude. It's kind of like Boston, but only less uh, populated. So. Interesting. No, I've always wanted. To, I've always wanted to visit Pittsburgh. It seems like a cool place. I know. I met, yeah, yeah. No, I really dig it. I met a lot of really cool people from out there. So you had a good Christmas. Got a lot of uh, fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we uh, went to some cool consignment stores, and I got a lot of Christmas gifts, like you know the Far Side album of uh, comic books and. A bunch of other things like a lot of gift cards, man. I got a lot of gift cards this, this uh, Christmas. Now, now, John, since I have you with me for probably a little bit of a brief time, I want to uh, I want to do jump into what my first news story is, and see how you would feel if you were an eight year old on Christmas morning. You're an eight year old. You're you're very very happy, and you you open up your open up your uh, your present and you find a brand new 3ds. Isn't that awesome? Aren't you excited about that 3ds, John? Aren't you? Hell yeah. You're, you're, Hell yeah. You're pumped. You pick it out. You start to take pictures of all your friends and stuff like that because you're using the camera option, taking 3D photos. You go to your video gallery and your picture gallery, and you look on the video gallery, and do you know what you find? Do you know what you find? You find you, pornography. You find <laughs> pornography, John. How do you feel? Are you happy? I'm a happy eight-year-old. 
I, well, I, if I'm an eight-year-old and I've never seen that kind of stuff, and it's like hardcore videos, and I'd probably be traumatized. And uh, uh, and also, if I was a father, I'd freak out because I did hear about the story. It was pretty funny, <laughs> and uh, they said that it was a um, a brand new. Yeah, they they claimed it was a brand new from Walmart. Yeah, that's great. And so it was a it and they repackaged it or whatever. Exactly. And uh, <laughs> the family quote was it was a shocker because we had the family here and there were a lot of kids and they kept passing it around and looking at the pictures. There were about a dozen pornographic images. So I think this raises a couple of funny questions. Okay. Obviously the obvious of like what you just said about the fact of Walmart repackaging and claiming something was new. A similar thing happened last year with GameStop when they when someone brought home a, a used DS and they claimed it it was cleaned out first and their their claim was that they didn't they didn't check it and they didn't find the porn. But in this case, Walmart was trying to play this off as a brand new system. Was it someone in the store that works in the store that stole it out of the thing that thought it would be funny and took photographic pictures were like, ah, some fucking kid's gonna get this? I I that's at least what my mind went to. Do you think this was a prank or do you no, this this was um, this was a prank. Uh, I would have to say, definitely a prank. Bobby, probably uh, an employee or whatever. You know those people who take like you know if they find somebody's phone open, they take like a a dick pic or something. Ridiculous. <laughs> this is horrible. Uh, I just I feel uh, I feel really bad, but at least Nintendo's getting a lot of press. Uh-huh. At least Nintendo. Is it snowing where you are? No, it is not snowing. It's actually a beautiful, beautiful sunny day today. It's it's a little windy and cold, but it is it is sunny. And yeah, we uh, it's it's a beautiful snow right here, so it's fantastic. But uh, oh yeah, did if you ever get a chance, you know, to play Drunk Monopoly. And definitely, uh, I, definitely I, I, ha- I have played Drunk Monopoly. The problem I got into with Drunk Monopoly was dealing with a person that was very, very angry at me and yelling things because I refused to participate in some of his ridiculous trades. Oh, okay. I got you. It's like playing well, I ended bl- up being bankrupt because if you drink it with lots of wine, you mm-hmm. end up like ye- yelling and accusing people of things and you end up buying all your properties and then you have to mortgage them out. Uh, just to actually pay fines, and then uh, yeah, it's th- just uh, and also you end up doing penance cleaning. <laughs> I think the key to playing a fun game with people, uh, drunk, whatever game it may be, is the type of people you're dealing with. Because it's similar, like if you go to a casino and you're dealing with like assholes playing blackjack that are trying to yell at you and tell you what kind of game to play. Oh, you do this. No, you're supposed to do this here. And blah, 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 blah. And I'm the dungeon master. Yeah, exactly. Monopoly doesn't have a dungeon master. It does in a sense. The banker controls a lot. He, I mean, he. I guess he's oh, the, the dungeon banker, yeah. The the, okay. the cheating banker kind of controls the uh, controls the game. <laughs> so what's on the uh, agenda for you today? I don't know. We're we're gonna have lunch and then we're probably gonna check out some museums. They got some really cool museums like Mister Rogers uh, Museum. They got the Andy Warhol Museum here. Um, Google was actually moving here because uh, uh, a lot of brilliant students as far as coding and stuff and computer programming. So. It's going to be a big hub. Interesting, so. interesting. So that's the so what kind of the basic the main tourist things to do there are like the museums, the food, things oh, like yeah. things like that. They got a, uh, they got uh, botanical gardens that are inside that are decorated for Christmas, and they get every everything looks uh, prettier at night. 
Now, I need to connect with you something about Christmas. I don't want to start anything here, but what, were you able to hide the gift from Nikki uh, until Christmas morning? No. No, of course not. Of course not. No, no. Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, she got it. And I wasn't quite sure if she was going to like it or not because it was a Thor hammer. Oh, nice. Oh, no. Yes. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it was a foam, like, um, kid's Thor hammer with a $15 gift card. Oh, awesome. On it. And she liked that Thor hammer better because she could hit me without, like, you know, hurting me. So she just bought me on the head or bought me on the side of the butt continuously. Excellent. Any dev- yeah, she hit me in the nuts once. That oh, was great. Perfect. Perfect. I think, I think you must enjoy it if you're giving her a device to hurt you. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I, I want to make her happy. So. Yeah, you're a little masochistic there. Just a bit. Just a bit. Just, just a, bit. a bit. Just a little. Oh man, thing. when I was when I was drunk last night, I was kind of an asshole to all the Steelers fans because the Steelers won, but they needed KC to, to beat yep, San Diego to make the playoffs. Chargers, and they they didn't. Yeah, he uh, what do you call it? Uh, Nicole's uh, sister, um, her boyfriend showed up, and he was all dressed in regalia, <laughs> everything Steelers, and I'm like. Yeah, and I'm like laughing and stuff at San Diego beat him. And that's that's where the joke of the day came out. So that was like, you know, I've had a really funny Steelers joke to make fun of them. So I think it's awesome that you cared enough to research the silly sports thing that you weren't interested in just to be able to get on people's nerves. I like that a lot. That that shows yeah, yeah. it shows commitment, man. I'm a troll. Yeah, I know how much you hate hate sports. So for you to to even learn that there was a a football game with significance going on is uh is 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 big is, Just is to the get big... under people's skin. Yeah, yeah, I got a um Pittsburgh uh Pittsburgh Pirates hat that looks really cool. So I feel like, you know, I'll probably be wearing this a lot in Massachusetts. Nice. So it looks really cool. It's very Chuck D esque. Yeah, I I used to enjoy the Pirates. Uh, I had a hat with the Pirates logo on it as well when I was a kid, just because I enjoyed the logo until until I dealt with some angry Bostonian that's like, No, you gotta wear a Red Sox hat and whatever. <laughs> They're like, what are you, a Pittsburgh Pirates fan? I'm like, no, I don't like sports. No. Why are you wearing that hat? Because it looks cool. <laughs> or just go, get out of my face, Grandma. <laughs> or just R at them, go, because R. <laughs> I like Pirates. R. I'm not a Redskins fan. I'm just a racist. R. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Excellent. Ex- my stomach is killing me, so. Ugh. Cool. Too well, much bar, too much drinking. Well, I will let you get off, get off, and go get some lunch and enjoy the rest of your vacation. Thanks for calling in, man. Uh, no problem, man. Happy New Year. Thank, right. thank you, sir, and uh, have a good New Year's Eve. What's your plan for New Year's Eve? I uh, go out the first night in Pittsburgh. Ex- so, there's a lot of stuff going on, so and it'd be from comedy shows to uh, skating outside in the outside, uh, outdoor rink and checking out the Christmas trees and just doing the festivities. Excellent, excellent. So I will catch up with you when you get back. Nice to talk to you, John. Thank you. All right, man. Later. Later. Happy New Year. That is John C. Riley calling in. We also got King Baby Duck is going to be joining us in a little bit when he gets home. He's going to sign on and talk to us. And uh, and John, if you're uh, if you are listening and you choose to call back later when the king's on, feel free to touch base with us then because we have the ability for multiple callers right now. I got one coming from Skype. Can have have more telephone calls. So if you want to join in the fun and say hi, you can as well at seven eight one nine nine zero eight five zero nine. Again, that's seven eight one nine nine zero eight five zero nine. 
John was talking about his Christmas. I wanted to talk about what my Christmas Eve was. I made I made reference to it a little bit when I met when I was talking about blackjack. Historically, my uh, family goes up the last few years. Uh, th- there was a bit of a uh, bit of an argument between my family fam- family about uh, how many times I've been up there for Christmas. I I think it's been three years. My cousin thinks it's been four. So we'll split the difference and say three and a half. Or we'll split the difference and say she never listened to this podcast. So it was three. You're wrong. So so every, every single year we go up to Foxwoods. My aunt gets us a room because she does pretty well up there. So she has enough points to, to get us... Uh, extra room and it's at the end of the year so you need to spend all your points before the end of the year so it ends up all working out and uh, we go up there for we have a big meal and uh, then we have a big breakfast but in between we do a lot of drinking and gambling and uh, in the last couple of years uh, that I've been there the first year I went I broke completely even Uh, the second year Last year, I think I was, uh, I think I was the only one that was up, and I was up about like sixty bucks or something. So this year rolls around, and let me put on the camera because John C. Riley got me a wonderful Christmas present, Hanukkah present, whatever. This, the rest of this podcast will be done by Michelangelo the Turtle. Whoa, dude! Like, let, let me block your face, dude. It's like totally tough, dude. Like to do anything, man. Like, ugh. So I think it had a lot to do with this little guy. I believe in superstition. I don't believe in skill. Fuck skill. Skill means shit. You mean shit. I mean shit. We all mean shit. Donkey shit. No. I believe in skill in a game like poker. But in games like blackjack, I do... I mean, I think there's a strategy to it. There's certain things you do, certain things you don't do. Or a a way you're supposed to play. But ultimately, a lot of the decisions come down to to someone saying to you, even if you're asking the dealer or the person next to you that knows a lot about blackjack, you're asking them, how do you feel about this move? Or which, or that's what they ask you, I mean. How do you feel? It's a gut move. Yeah, you know, go either way. It's a gut move. Sometimes they're like, oh, no, no, don't, don't hit, don't hit, don't hit, don't hit. The dealer's got a bus card. He's got 10s coming. And in that case, I tend to listen. I tend to listen. I don't usually say, fuck you. I want to try to get that six to get 21 because that's the way this game's played, motherfucker. No, I don't try to do that. But I do listen. I listen. I think. I I want to make decisions based on the best course of action that comes to a poker situation. I want to judge the situation and make the best decision possible to see the best outcome. So how I do that is through mumbo-jumbo, through praying, through, hello, Swami, I'm visiting my Swami and trying to p- decide how to further my advantage. And then I, what I was doing was rubbing the head of a Ninja Turtle. That's right. If you saw me Christmas Eve, I'd be sitting there. I look, let me see if I can simulate what I, look, what I would look like. I had a Cookie Monster hat on, similar to this, sitting at the table. But I was wearing a suit coat <laughs> in, a, in a Legend of Zelda t-shirt and rubbing a Ninja Turtle's head playing blackjack. Oh, I forgot the most important part. Whoop. Let's pretend this water is beer. Mmm. That's good water. <laughs> That's what we're going to pretend. Let me get this Cookie Monster hat on my head so I can simulate this action. 
there, here we go. This is, for those watching the video signal, you can see me struggling to fit a Cookie Monster hat <laughs> over my over my headphones. For those just listening to the audio, that was that was amazing. That was dynamite, dynamite radio. You don't know, you don't know what you're missing if you're not watching the video right now, people. Sorry, I'm talking like William Shatner. It's fun. I've got into the I got into the rhythm of it, and I can't stop. So I was playing with my damn Ninja Turtle. Hi, hi everybody. I'm the Ninja Turtle. You don't sound like any you don't sound like any Ninja Turtle I know. Well, you just don't know what's going on there, you stupid fucker. Okay. Okay. Okay, fair enough. So, I was playing blackjack and and I I was doing pretty good and I was able to take the $100 that I brought uh for gambling and get that up to 300. So I won $200. So I actually won a little bit more than 200. I won 235. And later in the evening after my good session, I sat down really, really shit faced drunk and played with that $35 and built the $35 up to a hundred and then lost it all. I wasn't playing with the turtle. I was playing. I was using too much of this and not enough of this too much drink, not enough Ninja Turtle. That's the, that's the moral of the story. Why am I talking about this? Why? Because I need... This is a cautionary tale to you. You need more Ninja Turtle, less... <laughs> more Ninja Turtle, less drinking. This world would be better. A better place... <laughs> if we listen to that mantra. What the fuck am I doing with my hair? I don't know. I'm having to look at a picture of myself in the mirror. Right now, essentially. I'm having to look look at the video signal of me talking. And that's not always a good thing to do. Because then you're staring into your own eyes. And when you're staring into your own eyes, it can create a real parallel of hatred for yourself. So, the, so that's another lesson. Don't stare at yourself because you can start to hate yourself. That's why I never want to edit a movie I was in. I just start hating myself. Shut up. I don't want to hear you talking. I don't want to see you talking. I don't want any of that shit. So yeah, I lost the 35 bucks. Or thought I lost the 35 bucks. I must have lost $30 or had $40 in my pocket. Because when I went upstairs to take more shots and do more hippie activities, I noticed that I had a $5 chip in my pocket. And I was talking earlier in the evening about how there's some ridiculous games at a casino. And one of the most ridiculous games I consider is the roulette wheel. A spin of the wheel. Completely random. Some people, oh, you can bet black or white. That's a 50-50 bet. But it's also, you only double your money if you win it. And I know that might might seem like, oh, okay, yeah, we can just double our money all night and try to get a couple in a row and yada, yada, yada. But mm, I don't see it. It's not, to me, that's not fun. I'd, go, I'd bet on a coin flip. And I know sometimes in poker you face coin flip situations, and sometimes in blackjack you could essentially call it coin flip, but I feel more action in the game. With roulette, just watching that thing spin just seems ridiculous to me, and especially because people play the numbers. They don't just play black and white. And it's not 50%. There's th Depending on where you're playing, they, they narrow those odds out by having those, I think they're green spots that, that, are, that are no... That, that, 
fail to you fail to win the black or the black or the white. They just the fuck with you. But I was like, oh, I got five bucks left, a five dollar chip. I'm not gonna dip into the hundreds. I'm not gonna dip in my hundreds. I'm just gonna dip into the five dollar chip. So why don't I play roulette? That's a that's a good game. Not a good game. It's I mean it's a ridiculous game. And I'll pick I don't know seventeen black and or eighteen red or something like that and put it on there and try to like go, I think it's, I want to say it's like 32 to one on my money or something like that. So I'm like five bucks. That'd be awesome. That's worth the bet. I'm not, what else am I going to do with this $5? So I go downstairs. I go downstairs. <laughs> I go down, I, I go to the downstairs of the casino and I start to play. And or I approach the uh, I approach this the roulette machine, and I look and and my cousin Craig is with me as well. And I look and I say, "Oh shit, it's a ten dollar minimum bet." And I go to Craig, "Oh hey man," and he offers the five five dollars too to match my bet. So we have a ten dollar bet, and we're going to put a ten dollars on a single spot in roulette. And I step up to the table and I look down at the table and I see all these people putting tons of money into the pot at diff- on different numbers on the corners, so you get a percentage of parts of the numbers, all that sort of stuff. And I just loudly start talking about how it is the most ridiculous game on the planet. How I'm a, I cannot play this game. I don't want to play this game. It is stupid. <laughs> And I'm saying this, and people are giving me dirty looks because when they're gambling, people don't want to hear that they're playing a stupid game. They want to make, they want to pretend they're playing the greatest game in the world. And you're not playing the greatest game in the world, you're playing a stupid game. Roulette is a stupid game. There's no, there's no two ways about it. You're playing a game that the odds are ridiculous. And to this, to the other extent, the that's why you get such a good payoff on it because the odds are ridiculous and they purposely make them ridiculous so that you so that you will lose all your money and and people don't play the and people very very rarely hit numbers uh, and i mean this all spurned from a time that when i was in vegas where i had 10 dollars left and i said oh shit i'll I will put the $10 down on roulette and I called the number that I wanted to pick and and I didn't hit it. I got to admit my my love for gambling is more about gaming than anything else. It's more about enjoying playing competitively those ty- those type of games. That's why I like poker. Blackjack's different. You're playing com- you're playing as a team at the table against the house. And I mean, I know not everyone splits the money at the end, but ultimately all of your goal is to save the princess, defeat the casino, win the house. So for my utter disdain of roulette and laughing at the people that were playing it, I felt, needless to say, I felt slightly uncomfortable walking over to that table and, and, and putting my $10 down. It's tough. One of the most in- intimidating things in the world are going over to a casino table and playing a game. It's a very intense, everyone's looking at you. If you have any minor form of agoraphobia or afraid of anybody, afraid of anybody fucking with you or afraid of the eyes or afraid of public groups, I mean, that's 
or just afraid of competition or people judging you or anything, it can be very, very intimidating going to a casino game, sitting down, even if you know the game. I've played more hands of poker than I wish to admit. I have my cat's going crazy attacking a cough drop right now because I did not feed him, so he wants to eat the cough drop. Listen, kitty, give me that cough drop now. Check, check, check. I am back. Sorry about that. I was struggling with my cat for a few seconds. <laughs> yes, I was struggling with my cat so he would not eat this goddamn cough drop right here. So, everybody that's listening to the live stream right now, congratulations live streamers, or watching the video on YouTube, you're going to deal with an actual silent delay there. In the audio version, it's going to be cut out. So here I am looking like a, I'm looking like a poker player right now at the table. Hey, everybody. I don't want your love. I just want to touch you. <laughs> so here we go. So I decided not to play the silly game. That's right. I, I was ostracized. As I was saying, there's nothing more frightening than approaching a table. I played thousands of poker hands, but you bet your ass I get intimidated stepping up to a casino room poker table. Maybe not so much in a tournament, but even in a tournament, I do feel a little intimidated at first. Not of the other players, of just the situation of being in that room with that many people with all with the same goal. It's intense. But I, I felt similar in video game tournaments or magic tournaments that I've been in. It it gets serious, or basketball games and in leagues and or for money bets. It it you get a very serious, intense feeling. And walking around the casino, I just couldn't. I didn't have the guts to sit down and put money into that damn machine, or damn machine. Oh, I just I just destroyed the story before I before I finish before I finished it. Yep, I I buried the lead. I did it. Bam. <laughs> so I'm walking around with Craig, and but we still have $10 that we need to gamble. We decided we didn't want to play roulette. But what are we going to do with these $10? Blackjack bets are $10, uh, $15 minimums. So $10, what's the best thing? Well, we're like, okay, let's just put it in a damn slot machine. Let's do it. Who gives a hell? Let's, let's mess around. <laughs> let's touch it. Let's put it in. Stick it in there, in the machine, tap it on the side, pull its button, stretch its legs out, look inside, see what's floating, place a rupee inside, grab the master sword and go... <laughs> if, you were a ma uh, if you have a skill in using, you can master this and you will get it. So we decided to do a slot machine. And my cousin put it upon me to pick a machine. I am horrible. Have you ever watched old honeymoon honeymooners episodes? If you haven't, if you're listening to this podcast at any point in time or watching this on YouTube and you have never seen the television show The Honeymooners, shut this podcast off now. Get the hell off the air. I don't want you to listen to me until you go and watch episodes of The Honeymooners. Don't just watch The Flintstones. Don't listen to your buddy. It's like, oh, you've seen The Flintstones. The same fucking thing. No, it's not the same goddamn thing. We're at a high right now for I Love Lucy. I watched the I Love Lucy special, and uh, I can talk about that a little bit later. Uh, or I'm planning on talking about that a little bit later with uh, King when, when he gets guests in, when we get the King Baby Duck from the Boston Bass Brigade and No Borders, No Race podcast, and my fellow member of, of ESH. When we get him on, we'll talk a little bit about the I Love Lucy thing because there's, there's a question that needs to be addressed with that, with all this black and white to color stuff. I watched it, um, and I'll talk about how I feel about it. 
But The Honeymooners is another show like that. The Honeymooners is one of the best sitcom television shows ever that existed on this planet. Jack Jackie Gleason is one of the great actors, and in some ways... I believe his nickname was the greatest or the uh, something to do with the word great. And I think that's the perfect way of describing him. And he's not just the guy that was in the Richard Pryor movie, The Toy, as an older guy. Or, or several other performances that were really great that he did later on. What really made him, what made his mark was The Honeymooners and later The Jackie Gleason Show and stuff like that. He was the standard for all these husbands of sitcoms that came later. I mean, ultimately, no matter... You can think about so many of them, uh, whether it's John Goodman, just basically who John Goodman is as a character, especially on Roseanne and a lot of the John Goodman character. Uh, a lot of even stuff like Kevin James would pull off, or even some parts of like Ray Romano at, or, as being ever, with the everyone of Ray, Raymond. His comedic, comedic style is different, but the way that with his family, the, the father from the dinosaurs, and obviously Fred Flintstone. To, and that's just to name a few. If I thought about it more, you could go into John Candy's character and a lot of his movies that he played it was was very much based on who Jackie Gleason was and what he started on the Honeymooners. And that, that, sorry for the big Jackie Gleason rant, but I really think anybody who's listening to this show or cares about pop culture or cares about television or movie history owes it to themselves to be well versed on who some of the greats are that helped make what goes on today even happen. And one of them is Lucille Ball, who I mentioned, and another is Jackie Gleason of The Honeymooners. Jackie Gleason had a buddy, or Ralph Cramden on the show, had a buddy called Ed Norton, played by Art Carney. Very much Barney rubble, but a few differences. Barney wasn't quite as annoying as Norton, uh, both of them were geniuses as idiots, but Barney was probably a little bit more of a genius. And, and uh, But Norton had a habit of overdoing it with uh, getting ready for things, uh, really building up. Like if he was going to do a pool shot, there was a very much, uh, you can watch the video, he'd over-exaggerate his movements and do it over and over again. Like, oh, I'm, oh, I'm going to put the hat on. Oh, I've got to put... Kind of like what I was doing with my hair. I'm going to put the hat on. I'm putting the hat on. Now I'm messing with my hat. Got to put it on. No, going to mess my hair. No, no, not quite right. And then in between that, when he was about ready to do it, uh, Ralph would always go, come over hurry up, Norton. That was one of those standard honeymooners gags that, uh, that was very hilarious and, and very much copied these days. So... So my point of saying all this was when I think about playing a slot machine, yeah, we're back to that. If I think about playing a slot machine, I go ridiculous with the walking around and feeling the mumbo jumbo. Remember when I talked about my Ninja Turtle, rubbing my Ninja Turtle while playing blackjack? I'm very mumbo jumbo-y. And at this point, I'm I'm about as drunk as I get without still standing i'm really drunk walking around not that machine not that machine give me another drink Ooh, what's this one uh 
and I saw a Willy Wonka machine. Not, not that, it doesn't, it doesn't freak you out in the casino. Imagine if you're on drugs or dr- drunk in the casino and you go around a corner and you see a giant screen that has Johnny Depp's face going, Willy Wonka, Willy Wonka, in blah, blah, blah. I would freak the fuck out. No, they actually have the real Willy Wonka. They have Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder in all his glory. If you want to view paradise, simply look around and you will. That's the kind of music I want. Mm. That's the way it was in my day, and I liked it. <laughs> so it's a, it's a Willy Wonka uh, in the Chaka Factory slot machine. So we put our $10 in. And the one thing I learned about slot machines from my good fam, good friend from the uh, Joe Dreads or Joe Smith from the, from our show, and his dad and his family, who taught me a lot about gambling, growing up, because uh, some of my first uh, casino trips was there. I would play poker games at his house. Um, his his dad really helped my poker game and helped my blackjack game, and just helped my gambling in general to make it so that to minimize losses and. And try to win the best. Take think about it as a a coach just coming in and kind of giving you tips about odds. So so with slot machines, the key is it may seem simple, but you should always max bet because if you win, you want to maximize the amount that you're that you're betting. And if you say I'm going to only bet one this time, if you hit the big score that time, or even hit any sort of prize that would pay you money, you you end up losing money in the long run because you're not getting the full payout. And why are you paying a, playing a, a machine like a slot machine if you're not going for the big payouts? You're not going to win minimal money on a slot machine. you got to hope to get really, really lucky. So you have to maximize your chance of winning the most money in those, situ- excuse me, in those situations when you get lucky. So, yeah, it's a lot of, lot of, a lot of that going on, folks, a lot of that silliness. So at this point right now, I am going to change up the conversation. <laughs> I'm going to change up the conversation here and talk about a couple of uh, other things that I wanted to mention that I have listed here. <laughs> that I have listed here on, a big, on my big board, <laughs> the big board of delights. <laughs> and some, something else popped into my damn mind while I was, uh, while I was talking there, but I failed to... I fail to retain that information. I hate when that happens. You're like, you're talking and you think about something and you're like, I want to talk about that. But then it never works. It never works, folks. So we're going to try to Skype on in our friend, King Baby Duck from the Boston Bass Brigade. Let's see if this works. Let's see if technology enables us to do this. Did I just... Calling on... Ooh, we've got, we've got a chance... Let's see if it works, folks. Oh, I think I fucked this up. I fucked it up. I fucked up the conversation. Did I? Yes. Here we go. I fucked up the convers. I fucked up calling him because I called him on the Facebook thing. Let's try this. I think this works better. Here, can you hear me now? Yo, perfectly, perfectly. Awesome, awesome. Gotcha. Yeah, sometimes for some reason, trying to do the Facebook chat thing, it doesn't quite work. No, the integration between Skype and Facebook does not work well because you need to make sure you have whatever thing downloaded on there, and it ends up being just more of a mess than good. And the only the only problem is because I imported all my Facebook contacts into my Skype, it sh- 
for you, for instance, or, or with John as well, it gives me uh, two different selections of you, one when you're logged into Facebook and one when you're logged into Skype. So, yeah. I, so I just clicked on the wrong one and made the conversation. Yeah, what I usually do is I just have the Skype one all highlighted in the uh, little uh, general section of the, the contacts. But no, you're coming through loud and perfectly clear. First, excellent, excellent. First off, how was your holiday season? How was your Xmas? It was Xmas? good. It was good. I was up in New Hampshire for a few days doing some snowshoeing and uh, just enjoying the sights and sounds. Uh, a bit of the uh, a bit of relaxation, if you will, you know, uh, away from the noise of the big city. No, absolutely. Shutting off all uh, technical devices for a, or electric devices for a while. Oh, no, those were still on. I still needed to be in contact with people here and there and such. Yeah, were you snowshoeing while playing the 3DS? That would be awesome. Like catching. Oh, no, it's too dangerous to do something like that, especially yeah. around in the mountains that I was in. Yeah, I was I was talking with John earlier in the show, but I don't know if you you saw. It's also dangerous to apparently buy 3DSs new in Walmart. Did you uh, read the story about a, a nine-year-old that bought a apparent new 3DS and opened to the photo gallery where there was a dozen pornographic pictures? <laughs> Hey, you got more bang for your buck there. Yeah, I, that's what I was saying. If I was a nine-year-old, I had already been looking at that sort of thing, and I was pretty, pretty excited at the time. I'd be yeah. like, I'd be like, oh wow, awesome! That totally, this is better than those AR cards I'll never use. <laughs> the only thing I used the AR cards was to make a trophy for uh, the, the Smash Brothers Championship that I had the other night because I was inspired. Because I watched the, uh, I recently watched. I don't even know the name of it. Uh, but you can, if you just search Smash Brothers documentary, you can get the YouTube links for it. About it's it's like a documentary about the melee tournament circuit and all that sort of stuff. It's it's oh, nice. it's really interesting, and I recommend giving it a giving it a watch. It's obviously a uh, independently made documentary, so some of the production value isn't top notch, but it brings you. Uh, I'll send you personally the link and put the link in the description of this podcast on the website. Okay, but now uh, have you ever heard of this though, massive fan fiction, the Smash Brothers one? That's apparently like the longest piece of like, like written story ever concocted. Like it's like over like twenty thousand pages long of of one massive fan fiction about Smash Brothers. I have I actually have heard of it. It's it's just really amazing to think about the cultural impact that a game like Smash Brothers had when Nintendo. We're, oh, we're, tries to do that, with, but with Smash Brothers, didn't try to do it. It was almost an accident. And then what happened with Melee becoming such a competitive game? What, I, I hate to say it. As much as I, I, I would say I'm a card-carrying member of the Nintendo, Nintendo fan club, I'm surprised, that they, I'm surprised they don't embrace the competitive nature of Smash Brothers and how much people love that and really take care of the community. I, I'm just... I'm really I feel like they more go geared towards having fun with one another without the sort of, you know, uh, strangling aspect of competition. You know, when some people can get really, really hardcore when it comes to competition, I, I hear sometimes you. a little violent. And I think Nintendo tries to steer away from that. I hear you, and I agree with you to a certain extent of that that happens. But I also, and this, this, I'm stealing the thunder of some people in this documentary as my fuel here. I also think what has what has pushed gaming to the point that it is these days. It, 
stems from some form of competition from whether it be the early days of Donkey Kong or Pac-Man in the arcade getting the high score to the age of the Tecmo Bowl age I call it where everyone was playing games like Tecmo Bowl or uh, or the early NBA Jam and stuff like that uh, or even like Golden Tee Golden Tee yeah exactly video games is a are about competition as much as they're about fun. And I agree with you with Nintendo that their focus is so much on fun, and I think that's so important, and it's something that's sorely missed sometimes with the I other two like companies. I that they might be doing that with the new Smash Brothers, though. I think they're going to be embracing more of the competition. They saw a bit of the backlash that they got from yeah. Smash Brothers Brawl. Absolutely. Which, which, don't get me wrong, an amazing game decent, to play. Decent, decent. Uh, but I have to admit... Having actually gone out and downloaded the Project M uh, hack or whatever you want to call it, uh, uh, ROM uh, for it and playing what the people that loved Melee so much and 64 did to Brawl, I really hope that Sakurai is sorry if I mispronounce his name horribly, is, but I think I did a pretty good job there. Yeah, I, I think that was good. Yeah. That, that wasn't bad. I, I hope he is listening to a certain extent and make this feel a little bit more Melee-like. And you know, I, I believe that he is because he has heard the complaints and everything. He's mm -hmm. even said so in interviews. And I think that with him and Namco Bandai helping out with yep. this new rendition of Smash Brothers, I'm pretty excited I, about that. I think they're going to be able to come out, create the sort of video game that is going to be embraced not just from the Nintendo fan base, but just gamers in general. I, I hope so because I feel like that's what Smash was, Smash Melee and the original Smash was, and I feel like Brawl, for whatever reason, really, because the community wasn't behind it, the hardcore Smash community wasn't behind it, it furthered this negative vibe about it. It isn't a bad game. It's fun. It's a lot slower moving. It's a lot more based around defense rather than offense of the other two games, but it it's still better than that Sony one. Oh, game. God, it is still better than that. It's better than Turtles, Mash, Smash em Up, which was decent. It just needed a few more characters and stuff like that. Uh, I think I think the hope, and I'm going to get into this a little bit more, and I can just lead into the set, the secondary story about Sega planning more free-to-play 3DS games, which I'm really excited about. And I'm what I'm really excited about yeah, is... Yeah, the first one is uh, Initial D. Yeah, Initial D. And uh, Sega has announced that there'll be uh, more coming in the future. He thinks that the 3DS is a great wide audience and they can't wait to uh, can't wait to make more games with Nintendo on on this device. And I think to me this is the most positive sign for Nintendo in the next couple of years is the fact that even though all the third party developers and I know 3DS and Wii U are two different things but I think Nintendo's done a really good job in the past few recent months with the uh, even with simple things like combining the eShop into one thing, allowing you to yeah. do Miiverse on your 3DS and let people get a taste, the people that have 3DSs get a taste of Miiverse and make, and in, in some situations, putting out some games that people are complaining be, that they can't play it on the other systems. I've, I actually heard someone say uh, th there was a whole big story a couple of weeks ago about uh, – about uh, the Bayonetta 2, where people were complaining to uh, complaining to Platinum Games that could we please get a port of Platinum of uh, Bayonetta 2 on the Xbox One in the PlayStation 4, and they're like, no, you can't, and 
And because Nintendo's the one who's publishing who's it. Publishing the it. They're giving them the money to make it happen. And basically he went on to say something along the lines of you guys complain that there's no games. They're giving you games to play. And now you're like, I still don't I, I don't want to play it because there isn't any games. See, it's like this paradox. You want to play the games. You want to play new Super Mario Brothers. You go, oh, I wish Nintendo would license their games out to other companies. But no, they'd be they'd, they'd be, be stupid. Like, They'd be destroyed by other companies. Stupid, stupid. They'd be stupid. Oh, I wish. I've actually heard people say, "I wish Nintendo ends up like Sega, where they're just making games." No. And what I'm excited about with the Wii U and the 3DS, especially, but with the Wii U as well, is is Sega and Namco, Banco, uh, those type of companies who are dedicated to and Platinum Games that are dedicated to making third party titles for the system and make it and and for the 3DS and really keep keep the ball rolling in between what we'll have to wait for Nintendo games the fact that they're licensing Zelda out to make a to make a Hyrule uh, Warriors or whatever it's going to be called, a Dynasty Warriors ga- game yeah. the fact that they're allowing that to happen is awesome Nintendo I mean they've done that a few times with Zelda but the fact that they're really promoting it and pushing it I'm not necessarily that interested in that game I'll rent it and I'll play it I'm not a big Dynasty Warriors fan I'm just not like I don't Dig I'm that. more looking forward to the fact that you're going to be able to play as characters besides. That's what I'm hoping. I actually posed that question to uh, to, to to Nintendo. I sent I sent an email to 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 try to figure out if uh, if that I if they have released that information yet that you can be a Goron, you can be a Zora, you can be uh, the different races of Hyrule. Because there's been a long time a talk about a game like that where you like a uh, from the Hyrule Wars that were. Can you imagine playing a Skull Kid? That would be amazing. That would be amazing. Amazing. Imagine even just a simple thing where you could like put a put a uh, Majora's Mask uh, power up, where you could put the mask on and turn into the mutated form. Of, uh, now I'm now I'm now I'm dreaming, but I still I it's okay to dream. But in a game like Dynasty Warriors, it's easy to put powers up like that. Majora's Mask power up, you know, and you suddenly turn into like a giant. You look like a you look like a Sauron at the beginning of the Lord of Ring Lord of the Rings movies, just destroying people. Oh, God, but but I am excited about about what Sega bringing in a little bit more of their effort towards the Nintendo. I like that they're adding a uh, the the Yoshi the Yoshi DLC for the Sonic game. I like how they're going to have a Zelda one. I, I I just like what I'm seeing with Sega and some other companies with uh, Nintendo. Nintendo's had a pretty good holiday season. Uh, New Super Mario Brothers World really really it's not new excuse me super mario world 3d it's it's it gets confusing with these uh these names but uh, but has has really added a lot of fanfare everyone i've shown the game to has 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 had a desire to play it it's 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 good times i mean things might I have, I have a feeling it's going to be a decent year for Nintendo, especially if smash brothers comes out this year and mario kart comes out this year yeah, well, they're saying Mario Kart and Smash Brothers should be out sometime in the spring. So yep. it's going to be a pretty good um, year for tw- for Nintendo, I think, in 2014. I, 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 I'm, I'm hoping as well. 2013 was not a good year for Nintendo. I won't try to pretend that it was with any amount of love. I think, if, I think a few good things did happen. Obviously, at the end of the year, a few good things happened. But to and it's weird to say that because it has been a good year for Nintendo because Animal Crossing, Pokemon, 3DSs are somehow fucking selling. I'm, they they keep selling in the market. It's it's still amazing to me. 
that three that three DSs keep selling in this market where where everybody else is gaming so much on their phones and their tablets. It's just it's it's really amazing to me that they're able to actually sell a handheld system when when I'm sorry, Sony just can't do it. No one else can do it. No, Sony's just like completely um the Vita's a well, bigger joke than Wii U was last year. Like that, it's right. it's just it's and it's been a joke for longer. And and the fact that you basically have a PlayStation Three handheld, no one really wants to play it because they're not making the proper games for it. That's the problem. Exactly, and that's what again what Nintendo knows. They can have someone make an Ace Inter- Ace Attorney downloadable title demo that I've played. 15 times and now stolen my girlfriend's 3DS so I can download the demo again and play it 15 more times <laughs> before I finally break down and buy it. Which leads me into another game I do want to talk about for Nintendo that they did announce that I actually had a chance to play a lot of at this point. Uh, Nintendo Remix. I uh, bought. I plopped down the $15. I'll, I'll be putting out a review of that pretty soon yeah i'm thinking about getting the um getting some eShop money and uh, putting it towards that remix and also comes out tomorrow i believe it might be on the first it's either tomorrow or the first is is uh dr luigi but uh but nintendo remix is really fun it's difficult in the later parts don't let the beginning of the game fool you anybody out there uh, it it's very it ends up being very difficult. I, it's one of those games though that can be extremely frustrating at the later end of it to the point of cursing and screaming and wanting to throw the the game controller. Uh, one of the things that got highlighted and you probably saw it, King, at the uh, Nintendo Direct was uh, Donkey Kong playing as Link, which looks awesome. Which looks aw- looks awesome, doesn't it? It it, yeah. it looks awesome. But now I need to need to explain the realness of this situation the realness of that board is actually yes you play donkey kong as link but guess what you can't do can't jump you can't jump okay so you would think okay i can't jump i'm a link i should be able to use my sword or boomerang or a bomb or something no you can't so you have to you have to maneuver your way up here up to the top without without using but without uh without jumping and it it's rather difficult it's it it's very frustrating and it's one of those things that i enjoy i have a feeling you'd enjoy that too and it's fucking awesome and that was my exact exact words it's fucking awesome so when uh, i is there like any special weapons can you still use like the uh n- the hammer no you, get once you, in a while? you can't jump to get the hammer Ooh. Ooh is right, man. So there's no power-ups whatsoever. Zero. <laughs> Interesting. So you just need to and you only do that level because the game the game itself is set up in a very this has been said a million times and it's hard not to make the comparison. It's set up in a very WarioWare sort of style where the games are quick games that you're playing and in some cases it's just one game and in some part cases it's like you're playing seven parts to get to the point where you either get the stamp or the three stars and they're like mini challenges like the donkey kong one i'm talking about the zelda one it's the first part is you just have to walk into a cave it's like your link walk into a cave while it looks like you're tripping out the whole screen like kind of goes tie-dye and weird and then it goes to the second part which is link trying to climb up to the donkey kong to the top was donkey kong and it's one of the things that i've had trouble beating and the worst part of it, not the worst part, 
But I, I mentioned earlier in the show that I have an old school friends game night where I have all my high school pals and we play old Nintendo 64 games, mainly Smash Brothers. We also played the new Smash Brothers with the Project M emulation uh, ROM thing, which uh, which was really awesome, Rather, except for the control options, which you know a lot of people trying to get used to playing Smash Brothers on Wiimotes. Which wasn't another thing if we wanted to bring out another problem people had with Smash uh, for the Wii is because as much as people, they said, oh yeah, you can still play with your Game Boy, your GameCube controllers, it wasn't, not everyone kept them. So it was like, okay, I'll play with my Wiimote because I can. And then the file also was so big, the disc had problems because it was a thick two-layered disc, so it didn't work in a lot of Wiis. It, that game, in a lot of ways, Smash Brothers Brawl, had a lot of negative stuff going on in it. It was the Wii past its prime, so the Wii was already looked at in a negative light. It was it was kind of it was just kind of difficult. Ultimately, right. Nintendo should have done something similar to what they did with the Nintendo 64, where they released some sort of upgradable hard drive for 50 bucks or 100 bucks for the Wii uh, that increased the memory and made the Wii f- a little bit faster or something. I, maybe they should have done something like that in retrospect, but maybe that would have ended up stupid. I, I don't know. It, it worked with the Nintendo 64 where they put in to compete with the PlayStation where they brought in that that uh, dual disc thing? The dual, or the, the it was something like an extra thing that you stuck into the front. Yes. Um, oh, it's right off the tip of my tongue, the name of it. But it was like it, yeah, expansion pack. Expansion pack, and it came with Majora's Mask, and then you could start, you could play games with a little bit more graphic, a little better graphics, and a few more touches. I almost feel like they should have done something like that with the Wii, and, and it would have helped towards the end of the generation, and probably helped leading into leading into this one with some more fanfare. Because I feel like as good as the Wii did at the beginning, it really was a joke by the end. So. So it was kind of, and I think that was part of, I think Nintendo's biggest failures in in leading up to the Wii U were in marketing more than anything, more than the hardware or even the lack of games, which is kind of an understanding with uh, it, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One are dealing with the same issue that I know people that have the systems that are like, eh, I don't have enough games to play on it right now. Right. So, so yeah, so it was... It was really I'm I'm a competitive person and and I like having these competitive game nights where my friends all play these old Smash Brothers games. So I was passing around. So I thought that Nintendo Land ended up being a good game to play the Mario Hide and Seek, even though I wish there were more boards. But uh, so I decided, oh okay, I'll play Nintendo. Uh, I'll play Nintendo Remix with people and see how that goes. And we get to the Donkey Kong board. And that was the first one I decided to show people for some stupid reason. I decided that would be the first one I show people. And I showed them that and everyone tried Donkey Kong as Link and no one was as, uh, I don't know. I was just kind of awed by the by the interesting aspects of it and the fact that how hard it was. I, w- I looked at it as a challenge. It was one of those situations, I'm sure you've seen them, you've been in them as well, where you're really into something and you're trying to show it to all your friends and then you realize through them making fun of it how hard and stupid it could be looked at as, you know? I was, yeah. it, They were just all ragging on it, like, why the fuck would I want to play Donkey Kong as Link if I, and if I can't jump? And they're like... Dude, this happens all the time in the anime industry when you try to introduce someone that's not into anime into an anime program. <laughs> they'll automatically think it's stupid. Yeah, and they start... Re- ripping it apart they're like and then they're like okay so you use link so i can't jump 
but you think I would could use my sword or my boomerang? What the fuck? This just doesn't make any sense. This is stupid. You know, and then it was like, so I just shut off the game immediately and we went back to Smash Brothers. But, but, I, but I need, but so I feel like I need to take that into account when reviewing a game in a sense for a general audience because I do know some people are going to be frustrated by these games. There is a frustration level that comes with playing these games. My, I've, I haven't heard my girlfriend have this many rage attacks at a video game since uh, playing like Mega Man, not the new Mega Man that came out a couple of years ago. She's like screaming at this game and yelling at it and cursing and making up words that I've never heard before. So so it it, it 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 it's it's worth a buy but but pre- be prepared to be very frustrated. I think you'll like it from a interesting aspect of this is another great direction Nintendo could go in. They could have a whole remix series and knowing how Nintendo does business, if this game sells well, we'll see SNES remix, we'll see a a DS remix or a Game Boy remix for the 3DS. We'll see a, a maybe eventually a N64 remix where you can play, I don't know, play Super Mario 64's Link or something like that. I, I could see Nintendo going on an interesting interesting path. Of it's a good way of instead of just releasing the same old versions of of these games every, at every generation and and I do like as well that that if you owned it on the Wii and you're upgrading to the Wii U version of it on the eShop it's only costing you a penny to uh, to upgrade to the next to the to the to the game so that's, that's good marketing that Nintendo's doing I like that they're they're reaching into the Hulu ads. Which, which is good. If I'm watching Hula Plus now, I get, even on my 360, I get uh, Nintendo ads, which is really awesome. Um, <laughs> and I do like the commercial that they're doing where they have kids showing their parents how to play and that it's fun and yada, yada, yada. I, I dig that. What I don't dig about the commercials, and I got to mention it, they keep calling it an upgrade. It's not an upgrade to a Wii. Stop saying that, Nintendo. It's Take, a brand new system. It's a brand new fucking system, and that has been their big goddamn problem since the beginning. Whoever inside Nintendo decided to name this Wii is stupid. <laughs> it's stupid. I'm sorry. It's that simple. It never should have had the name Wii in it. If anything, you should have called it the Super Wii. If you were going to call it anything with the Wii in it, Call it the Super Wii to make reference to Nintendo Super Nintendo. That would be the only acceptable name using the word oh, Wii. Oh, no, because then people will be like, it's, it's called Super Penis, Super yeah, Dick. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I feel like they should have called it something completely different. And I know it's a stupid name, and I've said it millions of times on your show, on the Couch Masters, on this show. They probably should have just called it the U. Because it would have worked with the same marketing campaign that they were going for, which this the Wii was for Wii. This is for you. You know, and it and it, it they kind of did that with the with the name and with the whole thing, but it just would just just called it the U. Yes. I so just to proceed to a couple more things, we're gonna wrap wrap things up. Got to thank King for King for joining us here. Um, a lot of Nintendo people. Another good news: the Nintendo Network went down for a while uh, around uh, Christmas, and they were having some problems with people logging on because they were having too much activity. Which I definitely like. I definitely like that. Oh yes, I'm getting voicemail. You can hear my phone vibrating over there. Is that my prescriptions are ready? Yay, prescriptions, doctors. 
So here at the end, I do want to talk about, do a little bit of a, uh, sorry, music's going to come on for a few seconds. I hope it's not too loud in your end. Be prepared. It, it is the end of the year. So I feel like we have to do a couple of 2013 best of worst of type things. So I know King Baby Duck also was a big fan. And I know he puts out his own news stories So and his new, has his own podcast. So if anything crosses a line of stuff that's going to be said before... Don't don't hesitate to say you'll have to read that in my my thing. So if I don't want to I don't want to break any story for you, but right. so so I'll try to do some some random things that maybe you might not address. Okay. So what is your out of all the pilots that came out that pilots and new television shows? What is your favorite and what is your least favorite from the group that you thought that you watched or you checked out this year? What do you hope continues into this next season? What do you hope or wondering isn't canceled already? Well, for a show that I really liked that I really just kept getting myself into, I've got to say Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I know some people have complained a little bit about it, that it's not as exciting as the movies. Well, it's because they're going with a television budget. They're not going with the $200 million that it costs to make Thor or Mm -hmm. the new Captain America. They're doing a more of a behind-the-scenes aspect of what happens when the other superheroes are fighting. And I like that. And I like... um, uh, what's his name is Phil Coulson. I love yep. the other characters of it. Now, I do feel I, I agree. I I also hope that, and this is just my own personal opinion. Um, sorry, doing a show, love. I also feel like I would really like to see uh, Robin. I would really like to see Colby Smothers since she is, uh, since How I Met Your Mother is ending. I would like to see her come on over to the show and be a full time part of the show as well. And I think it would add another element of another character that I would like a lot. And that, therefore, the show wouldn't be so dependent on Coulson, who I think is the best part of the show. And I think there's enough working there that I hope they work out whatever isn't working. And and look at what was what I loved so much about the pilot and and I personally I mean, but that being said, I wasn't a huge fan of Buffy. I need to make that clear. And I get a Buffy vibe from it a little bit. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I just know that it wasn't for me. And but I think it's a good show. I agree with you. I don't think it deserves to be canceled at all. And I think some of the hate is ridiculous. And it's just because of the rabid fan base of the Marvel movies that expect to see Marvel the movie on television. Right. And 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 I also think I I, I haven't personally watched it. I hear Arrow is very good and people can't help but compare the two. It's just one of those things that happens. It For whatever reason, certain shows get compared to other shows at certain periods of time. It was like Heroes and Lost. For whatever it was worth, even though they're nothing like each other in any way, Heroes and Lost at the time they came out got compared a lot. And then they historically get compared where Heroes, oh, it sucked. Lost stand the test of time. And the first season of Heroes is still fucking awesome. I don't care what anyone yeah, says. Yeah, and I felt like they still did a decent job with the second season. It yep. was just during the third season the, after the whole writer's strike. Killed Heroes. I agree. Really downhill. I agree. I personally am somebody that that 
enjoy I know a lot of people make fun of it but I feel like the fourth season and the last season they got back to doing what they did right on Heroes but it was just too late because the third season just sucked so bad sucked so right. bad so for the shows that you've watched this season whether they be comedies whether they be dramas that sort of thing what is your shitty can't believe it's still on the air you can't pick one that's already been cancelled because there's a few that have already been cancelled what is your please cancel this show now show Dads. Dads, yeah, I agree. Just say, I love Seth Rogen. I love Giovanni Ribsy, but the scripts on these shows are just terrible. Yeah, it just doesn't They're work. Awful. I feel like Seth Green should just be bringing his robot chicken peeps with him and saying, mm-hmm. okay, here's how we can make the show better. Da 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 da. And I think it would be fantastic. But the way the show is going, I just stopped watching it, though. The only, show, the only episode. Where I really laughed the hardest in Dads was the episode where the doctor dies while giving uh, Giovanni Ribsy's character a prostate exam. <laughs> I was laughing my ass off. If they had episodes like that throughout I, there, where it was like totally unexpected, I think it you, would be great. I but think, the thing is, it's stupid sitcom premises. Yep. No, I agree. And I think the problem comes because I don't necessarily have a problem with stupid uh, holiday set a uh, holiday setups, stupid uh, sitcom setups. If I, if that's what all the show can be and it's like making the most of the situation. But I agree with you. Like when you have that cast, you have an actual cast that seems like on paper that it would be an excellent show and it seems like for whatever is worth it whatever whatever they figured out in the writer's room for the millers which i'm not a huge fan of but oh, i feel but i feel I don't like you don't like the, I don't like the Millers. I don't like I the Millers. I don't like the Millers at all. I don't like the Millers. I make this clear. I do not like the Millers at all. But I feel like the writing in it is at least quality that I can see people that would dig it would be into it. I don't think where it's on dads. I think all the players work and the I just think the writing's horrible. The Millers, I just don't dig it i think it's stupid i i just can't connect and i like for whatever everything i love about will arnett on uh on an arrested development and i loved him on that show with christina applegate uh i forget what it was called up all night, up all night. i loved him on that show too i hate here i hate and him I in this JB smooth i i think he's a very underappreciated oh, comedic yeah. actor i loved him on curb chops properly i agree there's there's just a whole bunch of shit going on but i do think i do like gray garcia and i do usually like his style so and i can see it in there because i'm such a fan of raising hope and a show which is a show i hope i don't doesn't get canceled but dad's is definitely on my list this these are my two my two about that I really hope gets picked up and it might have already but I really 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 enjoy I enjoy the Goldbergs. I think yes. the, I think the Goldbergs that's ma- the best new comedy. It really is. I feel the same way about the Goldbergs that I did about Raising Hope a few years ago. But but I feel like the Goldbergs is even more primed to go on for a few more years. It has Jeff Garland as a dad. I don't really know who the mom is. I haven't seen her in much other. Me neither. But she is awesome at playing the neurotic Jewish mother and a control freak. She's maybe a little too, uh, a little too. She's like the new Lois from Malcolm in the Middle. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, and it's interesting because because uh, Jeff Garland definitely doesn't play a Hal. He plays an interesting. He almost plays a uh, a, a the the father from Titus a. Uh, 
a Stacy Keach type yes. Titus like character. And then you have a young kid that that's filming everything or f- taping everything with his uh, with his VHS cassette tapes. Uh, that and the it, thing is, this is a Happy Madison production. Exactly, it has so much I heart. Was shocked. It, I that was shocked too. When I finally saw that, I was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe they're producing something of this high quality." And it, the guy, the name is Evan Goldberg, is the guy who produces the program and writes it, and is based around his real life family to the point where, and you also have a brother who's a complete idiot and completely sells being this idiot character like you've seen characters like him before and he, this kid pulls it off and then you have the older sister kind of reminds me a little bit of the character of dave from titus i agree i agree with you he is a little bit of he, he does have a little bit of dave in him a little bit more uh uh delusional than dave but he but he has this sort of like delusional crazy oh my god no you're an idiot king no sort of like he's one of those type you know of guys what it is? it's kind of like the character dave from titus meets uh Tracy Jordan from 30 Rock. That that's actually a really good description of him. And the and then they have the grandfather who really ties the whole show together. And I loved him on Just Shoot Me. I loved him on Just Shoot Me and also he, if the grandfather for those of you who might not know him from anything else played the guy in Look Who's Talking that got Kirstie Alley pregnant that uh that the, the that Mikey at the end Bruce Willis ends up like shitting on his floor or breaking the stuff in his office at the end and <laughs> that that's what I mo- know him most fondly for which leads me in the Goldbergs is a very very good show what I love most about it is it's it's based around a real family similar to Titus so you get, so you do get some similarities to the feel of it in the sense you also finally get a vehicle even though he's playing the David Stern from the Wonder Years part there's a definite Wonder Years feel to it with the voiceovers it's maybe not as as dramatic as the Wonder Years even though it is emotional at times it does have emotional moments mixed with the crazy comedy so right, but, but they it, picked they, they couldn't have picked someone better than Pat and Oswald. And that's what that's exactly what I was about to say that I'm so happy in the same way that I'm upset for Seth Green to get another failure. I'm so happy that Pat and Oswald's on something this good and that he has a hope to I hope this I hope this show could be a show that reaches into syndication that get reaches 100 episodes because I think this I think the setup could work and especially when you're following the kid character you could follow him all the way up through high school if he if he remains as likable as he is now and I think he is and I think Patton Oswald Oswald does a very good job at this guy's voice and adds a lot of uh, a lot of humor in that Wonder Years but even in a more everybody hates Chris sort of way and yeah that's yeah, it's like the Jewish everybody hates Chris. Chris with elements of the Wonder Years mixed in, with elements of Titus mixed in. It's a really great show. But speaking of Kirstie Alley, uh, before I give my okay show to be canceled, uh, before before I get into Kirstie Alley because I do want to talk about Kirstie Alley, but and then we got to finish up here. Uh, I do, I show canceled. It's tough. There's a lot of choices. <sighs> Unfortunately, the one I need to pick that the show that I think should unfortunately be canceled, if not to allow this, the main actor of this show, an opportunity to get on another show somewhere, is I think the Michael J. Fox show needs to be canceled. And really? I, I do enjoy the Michael J. Fox show. This is what I, this is what my problem with the Michael J. Fox show. I enjoy the writing. I enjoy the actors. I think they got a good group of actors. What I don't enjoy is the direction. I don't 
enjoy how quickly paced they have everything be. I feel like the show, it ends up that you don't care, that I personally don't care about anything because I have trouble following the way the dialogue moves. Oh, oh, how's it going? But but here's the thing. Gilmore Girls did the exact same thing. I agree, and I also didn't like Gilmore Girls for the same reason. I, I don't like that. I like that style when it, on theater, but I don't necessarily like it on a television show. I it's the same reason why when we get to movies, when I talk about my least favorite movie of the year, uh, or movie I have the biggest issues with, would be a better way of saying it. Uh, <laughs> it's a similar reason why I did not like the movie Three Hundred because of the quick cuts. Maybe it's a stylistic choice. You had a similar class as me with with Sal, who is a uh, a video teacher of us both. He talked about how there's certain movies or certain styles he just couldn't get into because he didn't like it and he couldn't get past. He could understand that it was good. He could understand that a movie like Pulp Fiction was good or Memento, I think, was a movie we talked about in class. But he couldn't get over the fact of the way it was shaped and just didn't dig that style of filmmaking. So he didn't like it, but he knew it was good. I, I feel like personally from my end, I would rather Michael J. Fox on another show. I would rather him somewhere else as a part of a big, bigger ensemble he was comedy. Good in, uh, the Good Wife. He was good in The Good Wife. I loved him in his brief, brief uh, appearance on Scrubs. I loved him in a lot of his like touch-up work. I think it was a shame he hasn't been working for so long, and he had, and he is funny and proved that he's still hilarious in a sitcom. I just feel like the whole sitcom as a as a whole doesn't quite have the chemistry it needs to have and it okay. is it is definitely on my list of shows that I maybe want canceled. And and another show that I kind of really don't like and don't want on the air anymore is The Blacklist. I don't like it. I know it's got a lot of positive fan Really? Fan- okay, because because no, I have a family member that likes it. Well, that likes it, but then I have the other family member who doesn't like it because it reminds them too much of what happened in April. I I hear you. That's a bit. That is a big part of 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 my disdain for it. But mainly, my disdain comes from I don't like predictable villain of the week type episodes. I didn't. I just don't. I wasn't a big fan of the X Files for a similar reason. I like ongoing story arcs, and I know this sort of had it as well. But I just I feel like the show was overhyped and underproduced, and I don't. I don't feel like it should continue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mainly because I hate James Spader and anything that William Shatner is not a part of. You just want Boston Legal back. Yes, I do. God damn it. Give Shatner a show. How can everything Shatner does get canceled? I want Shatner to have a show. Bring Boston Legal back. <laughs> I, I guess I just don't buy uh, – I don't buy him. I, th- I feel like they should have cast William Fincher in that part. I could actually see William Fincher doing a much better job. And that's one of the few things I'm looking forward to in the new Ninja Turtles movie. So so those are just the two. And honestly, I just picked the blacklist at the end there because I couldn't think of another one. Really, when it comes down to it, I do think I personally, if I had to cancel a show, it would be the Michael J. Fox show. And I do need to say one more. And you can, and you can mention another one if anything has surprised you this year. The surprise ga- a game, the surprise for me has been, and I'm going to say it here, and I can't believe I'm saying this, Kirsty. That's right, I said it, Kirsty. The television show Kirsty. 
I was listening it's to Kirsty Alley's show. It's Kirsty Alley's show, and it's on like TV Land or something. It's buried in the same place that has the show called The Neighbors, which stars Wayne Knight and that gr- and the other girl from uh, from uh, Third Rock from the Sun uh, that played Wimmel Flintstone in Viva Rock Vegas, it, right. it, and also the guy from Scrubs, uh, uh, Turk from Scrubs, is on it as well. But uh, but Kirsty. I was listening to the Howard Stern show. I still listen to Howard when he has interview guests that I'm interested in. I'm always interested to hear some Scientologists talk and see how they incorporate Scientology into their discussion and just see how someone like Stern presses them in it. And I got to say, out of all the Scientologists I've heard talk about it, Kirstie Alley's the one that pisses me off the least about it. She almost, you can almost hear her admitting to herself that she only reason she got into it is because it was it's the only way to keep her out of from being an alcoholic. And so, so I can almost accept it. It's like she. So it's kind of like the reli- using religion as a crutch in some. Exactly, cases. and and it was it's almost she's like mentioning it like that, like she's and she's basically saying that she has lots of friends that have been in and out, and I don't care. It makes me like I can't lie. I like Kirstie Alley. I've always liked her, and I find her like a funny sitcom actress, and I liked her in the Look Who's Talking movies and all that. And I feel like some of her, I feel like compared to some other Scientologists, she's not so much in your face about it. But whatever, she she is pretty honest about it, and maybe it's my own personal biases because I like her. It's 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 like finding out, even though he's not. It's like going through that whole. Finding out what Beck was a Scientologist to find out he's not a Scientologist. It was like I was like Beck's a Scientologist. I guess it's okay. I, I don't mind. I, I like Beck anyway. You know. And then I found out he wasn't. I'm like, phew. Thank God. Thank God he's not really. He he's just a Christian Scientist or something like that. He does. But anyways, so back to Kirsty. What's good about I was listening to Howard Stern and he was saying and he sounded like he wasn't bullshitting and I've heard him on the air with people where he's talked about shows he doesn't like and he's been like I just don't like that show he's like your show's actually pretty funny and I'm like okay maybe I should check this out especially when I heard who was on it Rhea Perlman's on it who plays uh, who who played Carla on Cheers if you don't remember married or or together with Danny DeVito and I and I, I think she might be sisters of Ron Perlman they look alike anyways <laughs> we're gonna go with that also on it is uh, unknown playing her son but really the selling point what really made me want to tune in is that's right folks Michael Richards TV's Kramer is back who, compared to some of the people that got ostracized for insensitive racial, racial comments, I feel like Michael Richards really served his sentence and didn't... I don't think he's a racist. I really don't think Mike, Michael Richards is a racist. I just think he's a bad stand-up no. co- comic that freaked out in a moment. And, and, I, and honestly, the people that he yelled at, the guy who was heckling him, is the first one to come out and say, I don't personally think Michael Richards is a racist. I think he was just frustrated because he's not very funny. Is basically what that guy, that guy's truth, truth serum was. But where Michael Richards, I don't want to talk about the racist thing, but where Michael Richards is funny is on a sitcom. No doubt Kramer is funny. And I got to say. Except for that Michael Richards show he did after Side. Oh, that was horrible. Freaking horrible. <laughs> Freaking horrible. Don't thou shall not mention that. When when <laughs> things late. like the Dana, Dana Carvey show wasn't picked up. You know, it's like it's ridiculous when the Michael Richards show had more show, episodes than the Dana Carvey show did, I think. So yeah. so I checked out the show and I got to say this is first off to connect to what we were talking about before and the reason why I mentioned this and what triggered my mind to want to mention this. 
this is a standard sitcom. Don't expect anything more from this. This is one of the, if you end up watching this, which I'm not, I'm not, you know, you and me don't, you and me both like great things, but we don't always share the same exact taste. So I, right. so I'm not, I'm not going to tell you whether you're going to check it out or not. If you happen to check it out, know that it, it's an 80s sitcom. You know what I mean? It is. It's and it's a really 80s vibe, sort of Golden Girls sort of. Yes, like, absolutely. It definitely has a Golden Girls. Uh, but Golden Golden Girls is a, it's an interesting way of saying it. But the storyline is that Kirstie Alley is a Broadway star that is completely like a delusional freak uh, of of completely selfish, like the standard selfish, the Elizabeth Taylor character, standard Elizabeth Taylor character, and like completely self-absorbed in her own life. Michael Richards plays her driver, who used to be a driver for rock and roll acts and basically plays a stoner version of Kramer in some ways. And uh, and Rhea Perlman plays her main assistant, so she has a lot of interactions with Kirstie Alley, and is basically playing Carla in some ways. A little bit nicer person, but definitely ragging on Kirstie Alley a lot. And then the storyline is she meets her her son adopt she had a son that she gave up for adoption when she was really young because she didn't want to ruin her career and the son's family passed away and he goes to find his real mom and he meets up with the real mom ends up moving into the house and it's the hijinks of how they adjust to living to her being a mother for the first time of like this 30 something year old guy or 20 something year old guy that she's trying to recreate the you know all the past mistakes that she made it's not serious in any way. It's very 80s comedy right down to a very loud laugh track that seems like a studio audience. And in fact, in one episode, Michael Richards does say this is filmed in front of a loud studio audience. So it has that old school 80s sitcom sort of vibe. Very theater-y in that sense too. Like they're playing to the audience. But if you're especially, if it's one of those surprising things that I expected it to be trash. I turned it on because I'm like, I like Kirstie Alley and I wanted to check it out just to kind of give it a shot. And I found myself laughing and then setting my DVR and taping it. So, wow. yeah, so it's, it's not great, but it's funny and it's, and it, it has very similar to what very fast pace, but it works because it's not. And that's another thing that bothered uh, just to bring something back. The Michael J. Fox show, I feel like if they were going to do this style, it would have worked better in a sitcom sort of style that maybe not so standard to a three camera shoot. But I feel like that it just I feel like it would have worked better with with. I hate to say it with like laugh tracks and stuff. Sometimes it helps sell the audience on where the jokes jokes are. And sometimes mass audiences are dumb. Not yeah. And like you can look into it or I can look into it and be like, oh, this is funny or it's really well done. But I think sometimes with selling a show, you need especially a comedy, you need to think about like if you're writing a comedy script versus a dramatic script, it's part of the reason why in Breaking Bad with the spinoff that they're doing, The Better Call Saul – they switched it all over from being a comedy at first in the when they were first uh, proposing the show to a drama now because they said if they do a comedy when you issue a a, a comedic script to Hollywood they have you have a uh, per percent jokes per page J, JP, JPP or whatever they call it jokes per page and that you need to write X amount of jokes per page and so I feel like it can kind of bring down a comedic script if the comic beats aren't clear. Anyways, 
Last right. last point I want to make here before I let King go here and let all you guys go for a very, very happy new year is my biggest issue with a movie this year. Now, I, I have two. And my two, because I feel like they were the same goddamn movie. One, I feel like, or at least they both ended very, very similar. Obviously, I don't want to get into it too much because I have high blood pressure and I don't want to have a heart attack on the air, even though that would be a good place to die. I wouldn't mind dying mid-show. It would be, you know, maybe then my <laughs> I get popular after death. <laughs> but, but I do need to say that Star Trek Into Darkness was a big piss-off. But, but that's not my prob- biggest problem. I have bigger fish to fry. My biggest issue I had this year, and it might cause some problems because I know it's a split-down-the-middle sort of movie where some people really liked it, some people really hated it. I felt like good acting. This is an example where a movie had really, really good acting. I feel like all the performers in this movie, minus one that I hate for personal reasons, did, did very, very admirable in their job. This is sorely an example of poor writing. Yeah, writing, when I'm about to say the movie I'm about to say, and poor, poor, poor direction and editing. Horrible editing and direction. I am talking about The Man of Fucking Steel. That movie is the biggest piss-me-off issues movie. I have more issues with that movie. I can make a whole video where I'm watching commentary of that movie and I don't shut up the whole time of all the problems I have with that movie. I feel like Russ. I feel like you wasted a really good Superman. I feel like Henry Cavill. I think that's his name. Plays yeah. Superman. Awesome. I think he's the first person since Christopher Reeves I can separate and go. That's Superman. I feel like Russell Crowe did awesome. I feel like even Kevin Costner in his acting, not what he did in the movie, in his acting did really really great. The guy, woman they had play his mother. I feel like Lois Lane was inspired casting for Lois Lane even though they wrote her stupid. And I my biggest problem was with the Zod because I feel like he has weird tune anime like eyes that freak me out all the time. But I thought it was Bill Hader when I was watching yeah, the movie. Yeah. It's it's comedic. It's almost comedic how much that guy over emotes in that role in times where it's like give me the rah, 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 and his eyes just pop out of his head like you're watching the Arnold Schwarzenegger version of Total Recall at the end where Cohagen's eyes pop out of his head it, that's what I was kept thinking about but I had so many problems with that movie from the stupid Kryptonians that don't leave the planet when Jarrell tells them and just how they whole how they just deal with the whole situation to the fact where I know it gets explained that they're out of resources I had someone explain all that shit to me later but it's not clear in my watching of the movie I don't like how how Russell Crowe immediately after see I find myself that if I start getting into this I'm going to like be basically quoting a couple of really good reviewers out there that do really amazing reviews of this movie one being the nostalgia critic and the other being a guy confused Matthew so I highly recommend seeing both those view, both those reviews if you want to feel similar to how I feel I have different problems but I feel like the combination of the two of them sum up really can well I, how I, I feel. Can I just say that I did enjoy Man of Steel? I, I know that our different. this is something that you and I will be different about, yep. but I did like Man of Steel. I liked its more realistic portrayal of of what Superman is compared to what like Marvel's doing, the more comic book aspect oh, of it. Absolutely. I, I, I do appreciate those elements of what they were trying to do with this, with um, some of the storylines. My biggest problems don't result in the fact of uh, what a lot of people's buzz problems are about the movie, about all the mass destruction and all those sort of things. 
I feel like that was a very good real take on how someone discovering their powers in the way Superman was would have to deal with this. I feel like that was really good. What I feel like wasn't really realistic was certain aspects of them, him and his family being worried about the world finding out that an alien exists, but then right in the same breath, he shows off himself being on fire to a bunch of people, but he's still trying to hide himself, you know, and won't do certain things. I think it's stupid writing when you have Kevin Costner walk back over to the car to get the dog just to have him die because you need Kevin Costner's character to die instead of having the superhuman go over there when it's okay for him to go, so it'd be okay for another human to go. So why not? send your son he's like no no you go back I'll get it and I feel like it was just done so the father would die I don't like the how the editing at the beginning of the movie's done where you suddenly go from the spaceship flying off to what looks like the beginning of uh of a documentary about whaling or something. And I don't like that whole beginning with him using his powers at the beginning with whaling. And then it seems like after that he's still trying to hide his powers or he's like I can't show myself or the world's gonna freak out. And simple stuff like that. Like, but I do feel like there's good there. I feel like, again, this is just me being, again, not my least favorite movie of the year, the movie I have the most issues with. Because I feel like there, I feel like the movie would have been so much better if Christopher Nolan directed it. I feel like the Zack Schneider, and this goes back to what I was saying about Sal, Sal, the action scenes, the way they were shot didn't really work for me. I felt like it was a little bit too fast-cutty, even in moments when it didn't need to be. You know what I mean? Like, there were some sections where it would be like Lois talking to someone and just like fast-cut back and forth, bump, 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 bump. It was just too much of that, a little bit too much of that. I feel like some of the characters were really good characters at the beginning, and then by the end, they ended up just being caricatures. Like, Lois, why did they need to bring Lois up to the ship except for just to forcibly have someone for Russell Crowe to interact with? Someone needed to start the computer, so they had to have the, the Kryptonians forcibly bring her I again just a couple of like very contrivance type things that happened in the movie to force the action at the end that being said I enjoyed watching it I can't say I didn't have fun watching that last half of the movie most of my problems come from the beginning half of the movie I feel like the end was a really decent payoff and very entertaining I just feel like there wasn't enough it didn't stop enough to feel some of the emotions I don't I, that I wanted to feel that I felt like the actor could have put through and that I hope happens in the sequel when you deal with Batman coming to town to deal with the new the new alien that just killed hundreds of thousands of people. You know, I, and I feel like this might be an example of where s- some of the problems I have in this might be fixed in the next movie. So I hope I hope they are fixed in the next movie. So th- those are some of my issues with Man of Steel. Uh, and I understand, like, I can't, it's not one of those movies where I can tell you, I'm not going to be like, I'm, plus I'm not one of these type of people, I'm not going to be like, e- Evan, you're, you're an idiot because you like that movie. I, right, I, 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 can't, right. I can't say that, but I, it's one of those movies for whatever it's worth, and there's certain movies I like, I'm sure people, you could do the same thing too, that I could just pick apart, and every little thing that bothers me about it, I pick to shreds. There's a nut, there's other movies where like the Avengers is a good example. And I agree with you that in some cases the I don't like all the Marvel movies and I feel like some of the movies are just like blatant like rip-off type movies like Thor 2. I feel like 
I feel like Iron Man 3 was the was a great step in the right direction to where Absolutely. where uh, Marvel should do more movies like Iron Man 3 and less movies like Thor 2. You, you, so I, 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 don't get, I did like Thor 2. The problem is, and this is odd for me to say, I think there was too much of a comedic um, yeah. element to Thor 2, whereas Thor just had the perfect balance of Absolute. comedy, drama, and action. Thor 2 just felt like they were just going more for the laughs it than seemed, it was for the heart. It seemed like someone got a memo that somebody in in Marvel or Disney really likes Cat, whatever her name is, so they needed Cat to, Dennings. yeah. So they had to put her in more parts where, like, she was already in too much of the movie in Thor one. You know, it was just enough of her to make her bearable in the first one for me. Again, she's a comedian, a comedic actress. I don't like that much. So, so, uh, so I do need to say that. I fe- I agree with you, but like some something like the Avengers, for instance, I think is a really awesome movie. I've heard reviews of the Avengers where I've heard people rip apart the Avengers and things that I'd be like, oh my god, I'm not even gonna think about that because I like this movie so much and I don't even want to think about that. It's it's like when I was a kid, I like Nirvana a lot right now, but when I was a kid, I had this friend that that I loved Nirvana up until the certain point where all apologies, the uh, the 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 unplugged version when that was played, there was a certain time and you probably remember it. The certain time when that was played nonstop on the radio, it was like this, it was like in the, it, it was like every hour on WFNX. Yeah, absolutely. It was like nonstop. And I was in this car with a friend of mine who cracked his voice. Every time Kurt Cobain cracked his voice in that, he'd do this, all ah, oh, apology. And he'd just do it every single time. And he ruined it for me. Like, he, I couldn't listen to it for a while. You know, I, <laughs> I, I, it just every time I heard Kurt Cobain sing, I was like, oh my God, I can't even listen to this. My friend, I'll give him full credit, Chris Day, because I know he listens to the show sometimes. Chris Day, you ruined uh, Kurt Cobain for me for years until I heard, like, I, until I just uh, made up my point to listen to, like, heavy Nirvana again and uh and get away from that i used to, I used to do that with um that song by blind melon oh the no rain it's not safe. yeah it's it's horrible it's so so i do need to say that i so seeing those things so i try to avoid those things in movies i like uh there's a lot of movies where i could say where i could say that about myself where i like and i overlook bad acting or i overlook bad story structure to to go to something i like uh superman the original superman especially superman 2 and general zod is something I'm very protective of, so I was very judgmental going in, and I can't deny that I was a little judgmental going in, and also not being the biggest Zack Schneider fan going in, I was already going to be aware of of the editing before I even stepped through the door, knowing that like I don't like this guy's editing already. I hope he tones it down in this movie, which is what I was saying to myself, and the same thing I'm saying about Batman. Oh, I, I don't like that he does this. I hope he tones it down a little bit. Similar to when I... But if someone points something out, you can't help but look at it. Like there's a show, Sons of Anarchy, that's on television. It starts every episode and ends every episode with a video, with a music montage. They and and when someone points it out, you're like, oh my god, it is every episode that they do it in. It, it's horrible. It is horrible. So, I, but I am looking forward to the Batman versus Superman movie coming out soon. So we'll see about. Now, what are you thinking of Denzel Washington as John Stewart, the Green Lantern? <laughs> that's real 
I've heard anything There's of that. A rumor. It's a rumor, but it's a strong rumor. That would be amazing. I personally would re- rather Avery Brooks, but he's a little old. So, so uh, Denzel Washington, I believe he could play anything. So uh, so I'm very, very happy about that. I'm also happy that, that if they do Green Lantern, they are deciding to do Jon Stewart. I feel like Jon Stewart is is darker than the other Green Lanterns, is more of a real person. Uh, in what and how they examined him in the animated cartoon series of the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, and if they use that as a form to 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 in the similar way that in the dark in Heath Ledger used the Killing Joke as a starting point uh, to create to create the movie, I really do think that could be that could be brilliant, and I think I'd see Denzel Washington playing that playing that excellently. So. So as I as I've said, it is the end of the year. Uh, guess do the do our do our thanks or something like that. Um, so yeah, I'm thankful for everybody in the land of Esh, and thankful to all my friends and other podcasters that are out there doing their stuff. Thank you, King Baby Duck, for joining me on this podcast today. You're and welcome. Thank you as usual as usual, and again for for uh, for being my constant connection to uh, in one of my many partners in this crazy wild west of podcasting and reporting that we're in these days. It seems like we are. We're in the we're, we're seriously in the wild west where everybody has a gun and they're shooting it off in the air right now. <laughs> and we've been doing this for years, and we'll continue to do it past the pop. But you know, right now we're in absolutely the, we're in the we're in the highlight of it all. And uh, again, thank you for all your hard work you've done this year. And I know it's been a transitional year for you guys over at B three. So uh, so I look forward to new and fun stuff for you guys in the next coming year as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you, everybody. Let's kick in the music. So, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Issues Program 2013. Yeah, it's the last episode of 2013. If you want to call or text in when you listen to this, you can at 781-990-8509. Wish me a happy new year and all that sort of fun stuff. Or tell me you hate me. That works, too. <laughs> you can also email me at theissuesguy at gmail.com. There's a couple other emails, but I don't have time to look them up right now. Follow me on Twitter at IGotIssuesMan. And check out the website at issuesprogram.com. Also check out John C. Riley's podcast and website at The Couch Masters that I'm also a part of over there in one versus one we'll be coming back in the new year check out hey. check out king baby king underscore underscore baby underscore duck on twitter and check out b3crew.com and uh, check out all king's pod, weekly podcasts you can subscribe there to the rss feed and check them out on itunes as well i believe and uh also check out all my other friends at the land of ash i will be playing the promo at the end of here so check out all my friends there and yes this coming, the next couple of weeks, the first couple of weeks of January, we're going to be kind of hectic for me. I don't know how many, if any, shows I will be doing. I will hopefully be doing one the first week, uh, next week, that or later in the week. But I have a lot of, I'm shooting a movie in, at the end of January, and I have a lot of rehearsals and touches like that. So I'll try to be connected to you with that, maybe do a sum up and talk about that whole experience, uh, just because... Just because I know some of you have uh, voiced some interest in hearing about it, so I will uh, tell you all about how poorly or wonderfully I do. <laughs> so thank you, King Baby Duck. Have a very, very happy New Year. You too. You too. Thank you.
you very much, and um, I'm very happy that you were able to uh, contribute to my show tomorrow. Yes, yes, I'm really excited about that. I'm, uh, I, I, I do have to say that that in the time period, I'm not, I don't want to spoil what I say, but in the time period of the the uh, selection I make, there is an uh, there is an additional uh, the number the number this is it'll make sense when you hear it. The number I said needs to be increased. That's all. That's all I can say. <laughs> so Seriously, how does that? How does he? And, and I and I and I and I really listened to him too. To, to be honest with you, I, I I really took some time and and uh, and and listened to all those albums. And there are some similar feels in the sense of the way a uh, composer in an op an opera an opera has similar themes and the way the wall some songs have similar riffs and in, in uh, sounds that connect it there is some similar but for the most part it is it is they're all unique they're all they're all unique how does someone do that it's it's ridiculous anyways guys have a good happy healthy drunk New Year, play lots of games. Play drunk cards versus uh, humanity. That's always a good New Year's plan. Uh, watch the ball drop and uh, try to avoid Ryan Seacrest. And, and why the hell? Oh, I, 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 sorry, before I go, I don't care. I'm stalling. This is the last show of the year. I'm, I'm going all out here. Before, before I go, two things. One, why the fuck does Ryan Seacrest call the the 4th of, 4th of July, the New Year's Eve celebration that he does now, that Dick Clark has passed away, God rest his soul, it... Why does he still call it the Dick Clark uh, New Year's Eve? I appreciate the celebration. Always honor Dick Clark, but he doesn't. Dick Clark doesn't host it anymore. Now it just looks like you're sucking up his name and trying to get viewership by calling it the Dick Clark thing. Say every year. Maybe they're building a robot Dick Clark. Maybe they're building a robot Dick Clark. That would be worth it. I would say if that's the reason, then then that that is complete justice for it. But ultimately, the way I feel about it is you should honor Dick Clark at the beginning and the end of it every year. I don't deny that he has a big part to what it's to do to do with it, but you don't call it the Dick Clark. They they literally when they advertise for it, it's the Dick Clark Holiday Special starring Ryan Seacrest. It's oh, shut up. You know, call it the Ryan Ryan Seacrest is enough of a name. He's a douchebag, but he's enough of a name <laughs> that people are gonna tune in just for him. Oh my God! It just pisses. Just call Seacrest outs twenty thirteen. Seacrest outs twenty fourteen. Call it whatever you. Yeah, exactly. Just don't call it the damn Dick Clark. Dick Clark, let the man pass and in just let him pass. Leave him alone for a couple of years. It's not in honor of him. And also, I wanted the I Love Lucy special that was uh, turned black and white in the color I was talking about earlier, and was just going to mention about that about how you felt about taking old black and white things and turning them to color. If you do it right, it's good. I mean, like what they do with all the Shirley Temple films, because yep. she checks and makes sure all those movies are are as perfect as they could be in color as they were in black and white. But if you really screw it up, like you did with the um, with Miracle, it's a Wonderful Life, or a Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street and stuff, yeah, and, or Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, absolutely, it shouldn't be touched. I agree. But if you get the right, if you get the right people to colorize it. It's okay. And it modernized it. The best example was when they did the app button called Stello Christmas Oh, yeah, that, that was really awesome. And I do have to say, and I'm if if you love I Love Lucy, if you're a fan of I Love Lucy, and they did an amazing job in it, and I highly recommend it. And it is something that if they're using this kind of technology now to do it, and it looks this good, I want them to do old shows like Dennis the Menace. And I want it. Maybe I Love Lucy's unique because it, there's something to be said about getting to see Lucy's red hair. 
and actually getting to see it, it adds a different element and makes her all the more attractive. And it makes her all the more uh, just a personality that, that just can't be beat. And the last thing, because you said something that made me think about it, I do need to mention this. Uh, I talked a lot on my last issues program about about the Sound of Music uh, stage show, and I also talked about how uh, Carrie Underwood's reaction to people criticizing the show and talking about her lack of acting ability and a lot of really good theater people just suggesting that maybe they should have cast someone like Anne Hathaway in the part, maybe someone, anybody with more, even some someone from Glee, for Christ's sake, that just has experience. Dina Menzel. Yeah, somebody, somebody besides a reality star or or a, a, a country, a successful country artist, but not an actor. So so we, we mentioned this before. I might, might have mentioned this in the Couch Masters. Uh, it basically, she her reaction to that was, mean people need Jesus. That, that anyone who criticized me, my response is, they need Jesus. So you definitely don't deserve to be an actress because if you're an actor, the first thing you need to deal with is criticism. The first day of acting yeah. class, you go in front of a room full of people where they all where you have to act and they all rip everything you do to shreds. Deal with it, Carrie. And the other side of it is Carrie sang the songs and everyone said she did a decent job. because They're like, she did a good job. She's a really good singer. You know what? She sucks compared to some of the people who's out here. You know what? If they were going to cast any stupid reality star type person to do it, you know who they should have cast to do it? Kelly fucking Clarkson. I happened to put on okay, the... Okay, yeah, she would be interesting. And just simply for the fact of Carrie Underwood, listen to Kelly Clarkson's version of uh, my favorite things that she did. And I, I still don't think she should have been cast for it. My point is that if we're, if we're saying, oh, Carrie Underwood, she got cast for her singing. Fucking Kelly Clarkson destroyed that song on her holiday special. And she's pregnant. That girl can sing. Uh, what's her name, Carrie Underwood? You're a cute face that can kind of sing and you're in country music. You don't... And you have boobies. And you have boobies. Kelly Clarkson gets through with personality and, excuse me, the fact that she has a fucking amazing voice. And say what you want about Philip Phillips that came out a couple of years ago if you don't dig his music or not. Dude writes his own songs. He's another interesting artist that came from the show like Kelly Clarkson. Not like the idiot that came the year before... And now I might be dating myself. Scotty McFuckhead Creedy that looks like the guy from Mad Magazine. Fuck that guy. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck everybody. Now I see it. Now he sees it. Yeah, he does. Ladies and gentlemen, again, have a happy new year. Good night. Goodbye, everyone. Get ready to get your nerd on. Kick the week off right with games, gadgets, and general geekery from the ladies of the Electric Sisterhood. On Tuesdays, get your pop culture news and reviews with a pure Bostonian perspective on the Boston Bastard Brigade. Geek Aggro is coming at you on Wednesdays to fill what's left of your cerebral cortex with the hottest beats to get you on your feet. Then on Thursdays, you have me, Phil well, the Issues Guy, presenting the live issues bro. Well, before that, sometimes on Fridays, and right now it's not a Thursday, but it's a Monday, but it's a weird new year thing i might get try to get back to thursdays but that might be changed in the near future sorry guys it's going <laughs> down each week only in the land of ash nerdcore at its finest